1999, a slightly disturbing young man declared that we are soldiers of hell. We are neither soldiers nor from hell. You're listening to Soldiers Felt on Anchor and other podcast services. I'm Andy. And I'm Michael Ball. <laughs> well, but, well, speaking of Michael Ball. Yes. Do you remember a long time ago when we were on the radio? I we did. did a feature, Michael, a Michael Ball based feature. Yes. Called Spot the Ball. Absolutely. He now has his own Radio 2 program in which he does a program called On the Ball. Close. I mean, it's not entirely the same, and the format's almost completely different, but I think that's we should take credit for that. Where's our royalties, Michael? You know, if you had a ball-based surname, though, you would use it in a pun if you were on air, wouldn't you? <sighs> Possibly. Yeah. I'd probably bounce ideas around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably kick it around. I'd probably score an own goal, though, with some of my ideas. Um, so, if you haven't guessed already... This episode is going to be Eurovision-themed. Why is that? Because it's that time of the year again. And also, Michael Ball was in Eurovision. <laughs> he certainly was. It's like a step out of time. One step out of time. <laughs> yes. Um, bam, bam. He really uh, he really attacked that song, he really didn't he? He attacked it, yeah, yeah. Why he didn't win, I don't know. So uh, Probably not enough points. <laughs> It was absolutely that. <laughs> I mean, that might be a bit on the nose, but I think the main reason uh, is probably not enough points. So, <laughs> speaking of that, we, we thought we would, uh, as you know, as a listener, who've been listening to us for 20 years now, not quite. Come you this, got less for murder. <laughs> come this October, <laughs> your sentence will be complete. <laughs> and... Uh, we uh, are celebrating this year by releasing lots of old clips. Um, you, Andy, had the idea recently to create like a, a sketchbook. Yes. That we introduced. Yeah. Um, a sort of modern takes on vintage material. So... Vintage is a word that is probably being used fast and loose in this yeah. context, but yeah. Or almost say craft or... Artisan material. <laughs> like butter. Yeah. So <laughs> Smooth and rich. This this uh, this episode, we're going to be, because it is the month of Eurovision, and uh, we've got various different clips in the archives about Eurovision that you've not heard on the podcast before, we thought we'd introduce some of them today. So the very first clip... Relates to the, the very first Eurovision we watched together. It is indeed. What year uh, was that? Nineteen ninety nine. No, no, two thousand. Because we met in started in nineteen ninety nine. Two thousand Eurovision. The year it was held in Sweden. Winners were Denmark. With the Olsen brothers with "Flying the Wings of Love," um, which to this day still I think stands up as one of the best Eurovision songs. At the time, it probably felt a little bit... Bleh. Now it's classic. Yeah, it is is a classic song. It has been covered by a lot of people. Yeah. And my particular favourite bit from the whole performance from that year um, is possibly the bit after they've won, where there's a bit where they say... um, 
she's the 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 original lyric is she's the greatest love they ever had. But after they won, they changed it to you're the greatest audience we've ever had. Now that that's professional. That, that's the mark <laughs> of two stalwarts of two Star Wars. Star Star Wars fans, two Star Wars fans who like <laughs> who like to uh, classic like to make their audience happy. But another standout moment from that year was, of course, the quality. And in these times of you know a reappraisal, if you like, of, of gender roles and the way we should judge our colleagues and fellow people, looking back, it seems a little bit shallow, but. There was some cracking totty that year. <laughs> uh, right, let's put this in context. We were 19 <laughs> we year were old. 19. I, I was going to say men, but like borderline men is, is not really true, is it? No. We were 19 year old boys and um, we thought we were we thought we thought were big and clever. And let's face it, we didn't think this could you in your wildest dreams have thought that this this one university radio show broadcast that we made after Eurovision 2000 would end up on a podcast who even knew what they were. We certainly didn't think it would be there for people to evidence two decades later. No. So, uh, so this is from the Mini Disc Archive. This is... Uh, this is us in uh, talking about Eurovision 2000. The soldiers of how many disc archive? Yep, that was Halsu. Halsu, Russian Halsu. entry. The Russian. <laughs> I'd like to make a Russian entry of my own. I would. <laughs> if anyone who watched Eurovision on Saturday, you will notice how attractive the Russian entry yep. was. And there was Stingly. another singer, the Estonian entry. Oh, oh, Inez. 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 Another fine, foxy female from. She's not from France. She's that would have worked. Estonia. Then. Damn. Eastern Europe oh. is where it. <laughs> Don't fiddle with your knobs because um, we're talking about Inez. Rob, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> you're gonna break it seen, off in a minute. If people had seen what I'd have been doing with the knobs on the desk, then you'd have been. Talking worried. about knobs. What? Earlier today, we'll come back to Inez in a minute. I was on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing a number two, and um, this fat bloke that we know, he just opened the door. I had locked it. He, he jimmied it open with a coin. You know how you can do on some of these university campus, you know, um, toilets. And I'm you know, sitting there, legs, you know, wide apart, trousers around the ankles, <laughs> with my copy of the next directory. <laughs> reading and he walks in and he's peering down at me and I'm shocked but then a minute I just think remain composed and look at me and go yes and then he runs off ashamed at his depravity that was funny it I'm was glad brilliant I, I'm glad I was hiding around the corner at the time it should have been I was I schlonged him one later yeah I saw that actually. yeah and back to Inez anyway yeah she was nice yeah she had the tightest trousers on in the world yeah they were t- Don't explain how tight they were. I'm interrupting you. <laughs> they were going up a chuff. Shut up. <laughs> I couldn't help it. They were. You could see. They were. Anyway, if you haven't seen Inez or Alsu, you'll find her in the Hells Angels part of our website. It's not. They're not there at the moment, but I'm going to put them on this weekend. So go on a Monday. You'll see them. You'll like them. You'll want to buy CDs. He's going he's gonna to upload them, aren't you? I'm going to upload them with my hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, floppy oh. jokes coming. Yeah. Floppiness. Well, no, there, someone had to get them out of the way, and I'm usually the one who cracks the bad jokes. So, Inez and or Al Sue or the Olsen brothers there. A <laughs> great link. <laughs> Fabulous. The Spotify has all of them in their back catalogue, so we could select any. As, as indeed could you. Speaking of uh, audience participation, don't forget to drop us a message on Anchor and we may, disclaimer, include it in our podcast because... We uh, we want to want to get messages from you. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you like about the show when you started listening to us, and um, what you'd like us to talk about next. Uh, you can also submit requests, and like we've said before on Anchor, the best way to listen to us is that because of the songs. So it's more like the radio show that we started twenty years ago. So that was on point. Thank you, thank you. It's like I've rehearsed it, and I haven't. <laughs> Gosh, you never lose it, do you? Never had it. So, what's his next next clip all about? Um, this next clip is all about... Um... <laughs> Chapter 2? <laughs> Chapter, Chapter 2. I wasn't expecting you to remember exactly what happens in Page Chapter 2. Page 15. Uh, no, this next clip is about, I think... To boil it down, I think it's about Eurovision's power to inspire. Really? So, yeah. So this, uh, yeah, we 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 wrote a novel. Okay. Look, I was gonna. <laughs> I was. I was aiming for backstory. Okay. And you. <laughs> you wrote a novel based on some material that I contributed to said novel, but yes, a novel is based around stuff that we wrote, and written, wrote, wrote. We put some words on a page and, and collectively they formed some narrative. sort of story. But but really, it's not about the story, is it? It's about... It's about the a, journey. A, it's not about journey. That's it's a about the message. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not about that song. It's, 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 it's just our love of Eurovision obviously shines through. And, like um, a light. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> Certainly does, Katrina. What um, do you, I could just let's just take a step back in time. <laughs> <laughs> like, Katrina, well, can you go imagine a more like on point song for to win Eurovision than Katrina Waves Love Shine a Light, middle of Britpop era, middle of New Labour success, um, or beginning of I should say, like. It really, like, if you look back with hindsight at that moment in time, it kind of all came together. When can you see in this current Brexit mess that we could ever have a moment where Europe looks to us and goes, you know yeah. what, they're worth voting for. Do you know what? Them guys have got it sorted. Um, this year? <laughs> What do you think of this no. year's entry? Mm, well, it's definitely there. It is an entry. <laughs> it's it's a song, yeah. I suppose, in many ways. It's got notes that are arranged in a specific order. <sighs> okay, I don't want to be harsh on it. It's It sounds like an X Factor winner song. It sounds like a sort of... No, it sounds like a Fame Academy winner song. 
it's, it's a, all right. It sounds like a star for the night song. There's, there's, it's not a bad song, but it's certainly not the sort... You compare the quality of songs that have won over the last 10 years, and it's just not even standing up. I imagine there'll be a point in the night where, compared to other worse songs, the ding-dong biddly songs that inevitably get trotted out, we'll think, oh, we've got a good chance this year, and then the Swedes will turn up and we'll realise what a good entry sounds like. Yes. So, after that bombastic <laughs> appraisal, let's uh, let's have a quick listen to this year's entry, which is... A man singing a song... <laughs> So I'll be blown away if that wins. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> this um, this next clip then. So just to to go back to what we were talking about. This was our our uh, Eurovision novel, Eurovision theme novel. What's the deal with Europe? Inspired by various different bits and pieces, including a song that you wrote for this show. Um, and we're gonna hear a clip from that. Are you are you ready for it? I'd love to hear it. What's the deal with Europe Chapter 2? Masters of the Euroverse. With nicknames in check, Robert, who had been delaying the inevitable until now, decided he could start to work on the Taurus sound. It needed a raw quality. A here's the boys from the wrong side of the tracks quality. Taking all this into consideration, he attempted a nod towards the fives of this world rather than the boy lifes or west zones. Once upon a time, the Irish karaoke band Boyzone took a lyrical hint from the Bee Gees and made a big mistake in taking it literally. Ronan the Leprechaun found himself crooning, Words are all I have to take your heart away. Now that's fine if you're hoping to pursue a career in magic cardiosurgery, but it's not going to help you if you want to win Eurovision like the Taurus boys did. Some would argue that Boyzone did have a long and successful career as a boy band, but as we've already established, they were crap. Taurus has never classed boys out as a proper boy band anyway, and you can quote me on that. Oh, you have? Why, thank you. Middle-aged mothers worship boys own, not nubile young women, and if the latter is what you're after, then you need more than a few nice bits of love poetry. A proper band needs the works, words, moves, and sounds. As it panned out, the Terry-Richardson-Cole combination was perfect. Richardson had the lyrical ideas, Terry could dance, and Cole could write music. When blended together in the right quantities, the world would be their oyster, and that means more than simply providing the backing music to the average middle-class dinner party. The day that would prove to be the true turning point of Taurus was the day that they finished writing their first song. Robert had already been working on some beats and grooves for the next Eurovision winner, but when Ashley walked into the room with the finished draft of the What's the Deal with Europe lyrics, the rest came together very quickly. He said, Have a look at these lyrics and let me know what you think when you've read them, presenting Robert with a scrap of notepaper before walking out of the room and back into his own. Robert only needed to read the following. What's the deal with Europe? Why is it so full of hate? Why do we all hate Euro Disney? Hey, what's the deal with Europe? Why can't we all love each other and just stop saying, which way to the post office? Brilliant. It fitted perfectly with one of the hooks Robert had been working on. It was simple, it was effective, and it got across perfectly what they were all about. 
Robert shouted Ashley at the top of his voice. He probably didn't need to. His room was literally three feet away from Ashley's and Ashley popped his head round Robert's door before he'd even got to the Lee bit of his name. Lee, he finished yelling. Yeah, said Ashley. It's perfect. Listen to this. And proceeded to play the keyboard. Ashley's lyrics and Robert's music rhythmically fitted together perfectly. One run through of a melody line to go with it and that was enough for Robert and Ashley to sing the chorus of their potential Euro winner. Ashley walked out of Robert's room and back into his own to switch off his Def Leppard album. That was a compliment. It meant that this had now got his undivided attention. Not many people came above the lep in Ashley's eyes. He walked back into Robert's room. This is brilliant, he exclaimed. Play it again. So they did, and Ashley started dancing round the room and singing along. Robert started playing some new bits that he'd never played before, with Ashley working out how to fit his other lyrics to it. They tried the new music and the new lyrics together and they fitted perfectly, harmonically, rhythmically, everything. It was time to involve Patrick. So for the next few hours they got carried away in a songwriting whirlwind, Patrick and Ashley discussing the lyrics and Robert worked on a full backing track for their first song, What's the Deal with Europe? He completed a rough version of the backing track relatively quickly considering the excitement that was going on around him from the other two. If there was one moment to pinpoint the birth of Taurus, then it was this early summer evening in 2003. With the song complete, Taurus was now well and truly formed, and with the song under their belt, the guys actually felt like a band. The enthusiasm, animation and eagerness to succeed were now evident in abundance, even from sceptical old Robert Cole. They rehearsed their newly written song all night at the top of their voices, honing the melody, lyrics and arrangement. Finally, about 2.30am, they collapsed from exhaustion and retired to the sitting room for a well-earned cup of tea. Almost immediately, there was a rather loud knock at the front door. To tell you the truth, the knock was the loudest thing they'd heard all evening by their singing. Who's that at this time of night, said Patrick, sensing something brewing behind the front door that he wasn't going to like. I'll get it, said Ashley. Patrick's suspicions were confirmed as Ashley opened the door to be greeted by the festering personification of rage that was our ugly, smelly, beard-wearing Luddite of a next-door neighbour. "'Any chance of you lot shutting up before two o'clock?' bellowed our neighbour, Ashley taking the brunt of the outburst. Not only would you have never wished to stand in front of this grotty Yorkshireman during such an exclamation, therefore experiencing what can only be described as halitosis through a hairdryer, mixed with old quicksave economy cornflakes spurting forth from the wretch's beard. But you would also never have been able to witness Ashley's rapier response in its wonderful glory. Unshaken by the force of silage breath, Ashley nonchalantly glanced at his left wrist, exactly like you would if you were wearing a watch. However, Ashley wasn't wearing a watch. Now, I would not have thought there was much chance for shutting up before two o'clock, considering the time is now 2.30. In fact, I'd even stretched to highly unlikely and Ashley shut the door. So now we jump forward in time somewhat to probably the first, I use this term sort of loosely, modern Eurovision that we watched together. Okay. Because although we're only talking about a difference of 10 years, I think we can agree that the difference in the competition between the years of 2000 and 2010 is is a huge difference in terms of the quality of songs, the amount of countries, the standard of the songs that we were submitting to the competition, it's 
everybody else up their game while we initially sat on our laurels and then seemingly actively self-destroyed. Yes. Um, <clears throat> everybody trotted out the political voting argument. Doesn't hold water, in my opinion. Um, but then again, I've got ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 2010. We'd been together in... Uh, oh, it's not the first Eurovision we watched together in modern times because we'd been together on my stag do the year before, but that again... So that was 2009. That was is 2009. That, is that modern times? I think... I'm going to say the most... I'm, I'm still going to class it as the first time we watched it together in modern times because the year before, being in my stag do, there may have been some drinking that clouded judgments. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And also, the year before was, by nowadays standards, an anomaly in that we actually did quite well. Yes. I don't think we've been anywhere near that again, have we? No, no. Fifth, I think we finished that year. So, um, yeah, very much an outlier. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, let's let's hear essentially a Eurovision in a nutshell. Three minutes worth of an entire evening. It's probably worth doing all of Eurovision in three minutes, <laughs> to be honest. But here we go. Shows your wings, Andy. Check out these babies. <laughs> German beer. Spanish beer. Big beer. Where's your bigger beer? Bigger beer. <laughs> I think they've done a lovely job with the staging. And, well, you just never know. So, you never know. Good luck. Oh, I think you do. We've regressed another ten years. <laughs> I wanted a bit of a um, big fun choreography on that one. I still not like it. Come on. It'll kick in in a minute. <laughs> When's the intro finished? Where's the key change? I feel embarrassed. <laughs> I couldn't even get excited about it. I tried it. I'm more excited about Scooch. <laughs> that sound good to you? The Royal Muni, nul point. I'm digging it. You dig? That's the first song I've heard. You digging it? You digging it? That's, that's great. That's brilliant. I've just voted for Denmark twice. It's the English flag in reverse, so it's essentially a win for the UK. Well, I think Denmark should win. Denmark is the best by a country mile. That country being Denmark. I agree. What's in here? Uh, in here, there's lots of beer, and uh, I'm now going to drink Belgium. These are the results from the, uh, the Albanian jury. One point for the UK! Woo! Denmark, Denmark, Denmark. Points from Albania. Come on. Go to Greece. Oh. Oh. That was rubbish. Nothing for the UK there. Nothing for Denmark. Yes. Oui, quoi pour la Serbie? 
That's a waste. That is a total Okay. Hands, 10 points. I see a G here. Is it Ghana? No, it's Germany. 10 points to Germany. Why Germany doing so well? 12 points. Go to lovely Denmark. Ah. Yeah. Yay! Germany can't win. If Germany wins, then that means that the whole east-west divide argument doesn't matter. It means we just send shit songs. <laughs> to misquote Star Wars. Thanks, Pete. Don't misquote Star Wars. Here are the Latvian votes. I'll give you ten pig's ears. Uh, last year we were in Latvia. During Eurovision, we ate a pig's ear. It was a bad choice. This year, Pete Waterman has made a right pig's ear of it. In a way, I'm glad. In a way, I'm happy. We're officially last. We deserve to be last. Poor Josh. How do you feel? Pete Waterman, I blame you. I used to love Peter Waterman. You were a hero of mine, Peter Waterman. Now, you mean nothing to me. It's literally all bullshit. Right, I think, in many ways, that is a summary of every Eurovision ever <laughs> since 2001. We may as well put that. That's on repeat. That's just our lives every, yeah. every May. Hubris... Followed by disappointment. Yep. Followed by the cry of bullshit. <laughs> With a little bit of incomprehension in the middle. And if some of my extended family are there, a little bit of racism. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things, but it's not, not the racism bit. I was going to say why we love your vision. <laughs> no, that's not why we like it. That's. That's just an aberration. Um, you sounded like <laughs> Partridge then. <laughs> um, but for, for those of you who are just thinking about Eurovision, that's not aberration. <laughs> so, we move ahead again. We spin on in time. We are in now in 2017. It's... Uh, one of the few years where I've not been able to watch Eurovision at all. Um, uh, I was out of the country at the time, but the beauty of the internet kept me informed. Um, so in this next clip, I am about to reveal what I think will win Eurovision 2017. Let's have a listen. Good morning. It's a beautiful Cypriot day here. I'm sitting in the sunshine by the swimming pool, having just listened to most of the songs from the first semi-final. YouTube has done me proud, and I think I've stumbled across the winner. I'm going to put my money on Italy this year. I think um, their song is, well, let's say, surprising. The first 20 30 seconds of the song i thought this is exactly what i don't like about eurovision it's got a gimmick in so much that it's got a guy dressed up in a costume on the stage in a monkey suit and it's got some backing singers that look like rod jane and freddie plus one extra sub and the 
guy, the Italian guy with the slick back hair and the spivvy tash, is dancing around on the stage with a great big grin on his face. And you think, this is everything that is to be not liked about Eurovision. It's a cliche. But as the song goes on, you can't help but smile from ear to ear. So this is me staking a claim, metaphorically, no money involved, that Italy will win the Eurovision Song Contest. Let's see how that plays out. So that was Occidentalis Karma by... Uh, Good recall. Uh, I've got, I've got, I own the song. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> I, so, I try and sing Italian, but I don't know the is, words. Is that what your alarm set in the morning that wakes you up? Not quite. But uh, Francesco Gabini sang oh. that song. And do you know what? I've, I remember that year, and I remember that being a cracking little song. Yes, it, it was. It was. It was a favourite to win that year. It was a good song, and it wasn't just you that thought it should have won. Many, many people thought it should have won. Shocking in many ways that a song that is almost the exact opposite of that song won that year. Because I think it wasn't that the year the, yeah. the Portuguese guy just standing on his own, yeah, very low key one, yeah. Um, yeah, low key, weird that low every, key one. <laughs> very strange that something so opposite that everybody expected to win won. So, what um, what I've come to realise over the years is I'm not very good at picking the winner, but that's okay. That just means my taste is not quite on point with what the European um, number of the year is. But that that that's absolutely fine. I tend to be somewhere around the top three to five though every time in terms of my taste. And last year I really enjoyed the Australian entry. That's my. There's always one song that stands out that I end up listening to every year, and it's in the lead up to the the following event. And I this yeah last year's was the Australian one. The previous year was the Italian one. I can go back and go back, but it's rarely that the winner is the one that that stands out for me, with one exception, um, and that was um, <laughs> I've forgotten it now. Is it uh, uh, flying the wings of love? It, <laughs> uh, Euphoria is the one I'm thinking of. Do you know the, the thing is? I think Euphoria stands apart from many Eurovision winners in that it's. It's possibly the first song since ABBA that it's not just seen as a Eurovision winner. It somehow managed to break that barrier down and it's become a club classic in its own right. Yeah. Um, and again, it's the bloody Swedes. Yeah, they're good though, aren't they? They're so good. Even when they're taking the mickey out themselves like they did when they won and hosted it. Yeah, love, love, peace, peace. Yeah, love, love, peace, peace. Better than anything we've sent in the last decade, and they're taking the piss. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really are. But you've got to love them for it. And and who knows where... I don't don't tend to listen to songs by the other nations in advance of the semi-finals, because I don't want spoilers. But I don't know if you've heard any, have you? I haven't this year. 
Um, and you used to buy the CD, didn't you? Yeah, but no one buys CDs anymore. No, and, and also I don't about have hundred billion nations. Yeah, I don't. And yeah, it's like Australia's there, but Israel, if they want to, is like you know, continent means nothing anymore. Israel are hosting, aren't they? Because Israel are hosting. Yeah. yeah. After again last year's song, I think. The, the point I want possibly want to finish on is the Eurovision label. Okay. Which, there's a great many songs that are deemed to be rubbish because they are attached to having been in Eurovision. And in this country, I've been saying it for years, we have an outmoded, outdated view of the competition where we see it as silly foreigners sending silly camp songs. And what we haven't realised is that we are the silly foreigners selling the silly songs these days. And we send rubbish. Just because we're British doesn't mean that we are automatically the best entrant anymore. And nothing highlights that better, I think, than last year's winner, the Israel entry. You say, here's a Eurovision song, and someone starts making chicken noises. And it sounds ridiculous. Obviously, it sounds ridiculous. But if you took away the Eurovision label and possibly the the chicken noise at the start of the song, you could play that in a club anywhere or release it as a single and it would do well. Yes, definitely. And that's the point. We need to stop seeing Eurovision as a label and actually just send a decent song to win. Amen. (laughs) Soldiers of Hell, drop the mic. We're out. (laughs) Here's some songs that you may like from previous years. Soldiers of Hell is a Fosgate Studios production. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, comment and share.